Ephesians chapter 2. No, we're not covering verses 8 and 9 today. Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to go there. That's where we're going to begin. I've entitled this tonight, Some Thoughts About Thoughts. It is said that the average person has 6,200 thoughts per day. 6,200. I don't know how they figure that out, but I know uh, some days I have more than others. But imagine how many you have when your mind is racing. Now, I don't know about you. Does your mind ever race? Sometimes my wife will look at me and she says, what are you thinking? I said, it's a slideshow. <laughs> and it's like, doo, 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 like this. Different things are, are just going. It's like a carousel, round and around and around. And I uh, just got to get away from that. But, but it is said that the average person has 6,200 thoughts per day. I don't know how they figured it, as I mentioned, but that's what they're saying. Now, for the lost person, their thoughts are not on the same page or on the concepts as what the Lord wants them to be thinking about. They have a different frame of reference, okay? The values of a lost person are not the same as the values of a saved person. Oh, some of them may cross over. A lost person can love their family, and things like that. A lost person can maybe desire to be good to other people, okay? And sometimes that's because they're working their way to heaven that they think in those terms. But overall, the mindset is not there. Why? Because they're not tuned in the way they need to. In Ephesians 2.1, it's a proof text for this. It says, And you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, okay? It says, you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now the Calvinists will look at verse 1, they'll say, see that? Dead in trespasses and sins. That's why you have to be born again. That's why you have to be regenerated before you can believe. Okay, that is heresy. That is not true. You believe and then you're regenerated. That's the way the Bible teaches it. Dead in the Bible does not mean non-existent, okay? Dead means it's basically here, talking about the lost person, he's separated from eternal life is what it is. He's dead in that sense. The word dead or death means separation. We were separated from the Lord in trespasses and sins, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Now, he says in times past. Why does he say that? Because he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to believers who are now alive in Christ. They had been born again. And so now he's saying, now, you were at one point dead in trespasses and sins, but now you've been made alive. And of course, he tells us how to do that in verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But before we were saved, we were dead in trespasses and sins. When we trusted in Christ, we were made alive, okay? It, we, 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 we became equipped. You might almost liken it to a, being on a radio frequency. Before you were saved, you couldn't even get to the frequency where God was speaking. You couldn't get it. You couldn't understand it. All you had was static. It's all you had was static. It's sort of like somebody saying, okay, if you want to hear us, listen on FM. Why? Well, we're not on AM. Well, all I have is AM. Well, then you can't listen to us. You're not on the, on the right frequency, okay? And I don't know if that's technically the term or not, you radio buffs. But when we get saved, we have a divine tuner. 
in us. Okay? And that's not a theological truth. That's just an illustration. Um, Once we are saved through our new natures and the Holy Spirit. So when I get saved, I'm born again. I have a new nature. I have the Holy Spirit inside, inside of me. And now I can tune in to God. Now I can hear him. Now I can hear him loud and clear. He comes through now. But before I was saved, that wasn't the case. You might say, well, everything solved, right? No, because the old nature's still there. That is why we still have defective thinking at times, okay? We're, we're going back. It, it's sort of like uh, back when, which is my favorite way of having it on any radio, I like the manual. I like the manual tuning. I don't like this thing of, okay, well, no, no, we're advanced now. We're digital. Okay, so what you're telling me is I have to hold that button down until it kicks into a a, a pattern to where now it races for the, for the next station. And then I have to hold it down again and it races to the next one. And I know you can put presets in. There's just something satisfying about right in and you tune it in. And, oh, there it is. Nice and clear. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm not the only one. There's just something satisfying about that. I like the old uh, AM FM receivers. Of the, of the past. You know, you get them and they got the nice, you know, metal front to them and wooden bodies and you had a nice tuner on there and everything and the buttons were nice and all of that. Yeah, child of the 60s and 70s, right? We remember that kind of stuff. But anyways, a tuner. But the old is still there. And what can happen is when we are not thinking, when we are not tuned in to the way God wants us to be thinking, we get static. And we can't think right. We don't think right. And when we don't think right, we make wrong choices. And when we make wrong choices, that sets that wrong choice into motion, and it falls under the law of sowing and reaping. Now, a life that is made of wrong choices is a life that's going to have lots of problems in it, okay? God doesn't want that for his children. He says, I've saved you to, in a sense, I've saved you to a different frequency. Here's where where you can hear me, and here's where I want you to lock it in, okay? Lock in right here. This is where I want you to think. This all has to do with our thinking. So the question comes up tonight is this, what am I to think? What am I to think? Or what am I to think about? Well, let me give you some things that are foundational for a Christian that God wants us to think about. Because these foundational things will set a a foundation. They'll set a basis. They'll set building blocks by which we can build our lives on. But these are the things he wants us to think about because everything gets built upon them. Very, very important. The first one is this. I've been saved to a new life with a new purpose, okay? Never think of salvation as, oh, now that I'm saved, who? I've achieved my goal. I'm going to heaven. No, you, you, that's not the end. That's the beginning. I'll say it again. That's not the end. That's the beginning. I'll say it one more time. It's not the end. It's the beginning. When we get saved, it's the beginning Jesus called it being born again. Not being an adult, being born again. A new baby has been born into the family of God. It's, it's new life in Christ. 
Okay? And with that, it's not just eternal life, the fact that we're saved forever and we're going to live with God forever. It's more than that. It's an actual, we have been saved to a new life and it has a new purpose to it. Now, I want you to turn with me over to Colossians, a few pages over to the right. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I've been saved to a new life with a new purpose. The Bible has a term for it. Paul talked about it in Galatians. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. In other words, when I got saved, when I put my trust in Christ and he saved me, I died. His death was my death. That's the way I need to see it. But just as like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Why? Because that's what he's given us. So this is foundational to our thinking, okay? This is, these are uh, some of the thoughts we need to live with. I'm no longer a child of the devil. I'm a child of the king. I'm no longer a pauper. I'm royalty, okay? Nothing to do with me, all to do with what Christ has done. I no longer have to live under the guilt of the past. I've been declared righteous. All my sins have been washed away. I have a new life, to live. My penalty, my sentence is over. I'm free. I'm free. God wants us to think this way. Colossians 3.1, if ye then be risen with Christ. And if you're saved, you are risen with Christ because he gave you a new life, eternal life. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, seek those things which are above, okay? I've been saved to a new life. I've been saved to a new purpose. Jesus was very clear what his purpose was. He is also very clear what he expects of his disciples, those who are going to learn of him and follow him. Let me show you a few of these. Hold your place in Colossians. We'll be back. Look with me to Luke chapter 19. We need to stay tuned in. We need to be locked into this. Now, I'll talk about how to do that in a few minutes, but we're laying this foundation. Luke 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, for the Son of Man has come. This was his purpose. This was his life. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You watch in the Gospels the life of Jesus. It was always to this end. Yeah, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he provided food, and I get all that. But it was all to the point, why was he doing it? So that people would know who he was and that they would trust him as their savior. Everything to that end. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is what Jesus said. Now go with me to John chapter 20. It says in verse 21, Then said Jesus to them again, this is after his resurrection, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. So he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then he said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Just like this was my purpose, this was why I came. Now that you're my child and you said you're going to follow me by choice, okay, not automatic, But you say you want to follow me in your life. Okay, this is the direction I'm going to take you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Isn't that just simple? I think it's just simple. 
And then in Matthew 4.19, he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If I'm following Christ, does that mean every minute, 24 hours a day, I'm sharing the gospel with people? No, that's not possible to do. That's not possible. And by the way, take this idea of fishing. Is every moment of the life of a fisherman on the lake fishing? No. He's mending his nets. He's making sure everything's in shape. But it's always remembering the goal is ultimately to be fishing. But there's other things that go into that. There's learning the skill. You didn't become a fisherman by trade, a good one, automatically, simply by deciding, I'm going to be a fisherman. Oh, great. You go out and you catch a million fish. No, it it didn't work that way unless Jesus worked a miracle. That's not the way it was. You had to learn. You had to learn patience. You had to learn even with your best efforts, sometimes you come up dry. No pun intended. You had to learn all kinds of things. How to toil, the highs, the lows of it, the obstacles of it, the setbacks. What happened when your boat needed to repair? Well, if you, know, if you couldn't afford to have somebody else do it, you have to do it yourself. That's not time out on the lake, but it's all of that in preparation for the ultimate goal of fishing. And that's what we do. And that's the way a Christian is supposed to live his life. Folks, when we think this way, what it does is it keeps us from getting off track. Because when we get off track, we live with static in our minds and in our souls. We're not hearing God. Things are not clear. Things are not clear. And we start thinking things that are not right. Now, with that in mind, so the first thing we see, what am I to think? First, I've been saved to a new life with a new purpose. Secondly, I am to let God define my goals, my values, my direction. I am to let God define my goals, my values, and my direction. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. We have a promise in Scripture, but this promise in Scripture is based on us fulfilling something and living with this mindset. Again, a thought on thoughts tonight. Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, not trust in yourself with all thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And here you go. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Those are our own thoughts. In all thy ways acknowledge him. That means you're putting him first. You're saying, okay, I got my thoughts, Lord. I submit my thoughts to you, Lord. I want to think like you do. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Now here's the promise. He shall. Do you see it? Direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. But him directing my path begins with me submitting to him by faith. Not trusting in my own thinking, but trusting in his thinking, if I could call it that. Now you might say, what do you mean trusting in his thinking? I don't get it. Well, I talked a little bit about it before we got into our study, but I want you to turn with me to Psalm 119. And I could show you so many verses on this. I actually cut a bunch of them out to keep this a little shorter tonight. But Psalm 119, verse 15, it says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself 
in thy statutes. I will not forget. Look at the I wills there. I will meditate. I will have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. This is not some haphazard thing. This is not, well, maybe yes, maybe no. This is not when Sunday comes, you say, well, let's decide whether we're going to go to church or not. No, settled, settled. That's what we do on Sunday. We're in church when the doors are open, we're in church. Why? Because God has something for me and he wants to use me in the lives of other people. Maybe there's somebody to befriend that I'm going to have a hand in leading that person to Christ. You might say, well, don't, doesn't everybody get saved in the service? No. No, they don't. Some people get saved later. That's okay. Pastor, doesn't that hurt your feeling? Never hurts my feeling. Listen, I just want people to get saved. I don't care if I lead them to Christ or not. I want to. But if somebody else ends up leading them to Christ, praise God, the person got saved. I mean that. But I am to let God define my goals, values, and direction. And the only way I can do that is by trusting in him, not leaning on my own understanding in all his ways or in all my ways, acknowledging him and he shall direct thy paths. You know, you could read Proverbs 3, 5, and I know it doesn't say this, but you could read it this way. And there's no violation of the truth because the word of God is the word of God. It's inspired. So when we open it, God is speaking. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the word with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge what God is saying there, and he shall direct thy paths. No violation of the truth of it. Psalm 119, again, verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts. Why? They're God's precepts. They're God's thoughts. And when I meditate, that means to chew it in my mind over and over, to turn it over and over and to think about it and to ponder that. As you meditate, okay, it's not sitting on the ground with your legs crossed like this. Biblical meditation is revolving the truth of God over and over, thinking deeply about the concepts that we find in Scripture, the phrases in Scripture. But here's the point. Meditating on the Scriptures, as we do, we're letting God speak, and as we let God speak, things are more clear. Our thoughts are His thoughts. We're thinking like He does. That is the way God intended life to be. Also, I am to pursue, C, or number three, I am to pursue what is biblical and godly, for that's what God wants for me. Now, that's a simple one. To get people to understand that, though, is not easy. I am to pursue what is biblical and godly, for that's what God wants for me. These are all part of the plan of God for my life. This all falls under what am I to think? Okay, well, I am to think that I am to pursue what is biblical and godly, for that's what God wants for me. Now, I told you we would go back to Colossians. Let's go back there, chapter 3. In verse 2, now you notice it follows, Colossians 3, verse 2, follows verse 1, where it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Here's the working out of that. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. The word affection means your thoughts. That's exactly what it means, our thinking. I need to set my thoughts. Now, you might say, why does it mean affections? I believe the translators 
realize we think about what we love. And what you love is what you're affectionate about. You have affection for it. Doesn't that make sense? I think that's why it's there. Set your affection on things above. You know, when a, when a, uh, a young man and a young girl, they, they fall in love with each other, okay? That's all they think about is that other person. I mean, it's all they think about. Morning, noon, and night. Why? It's what they love. It's where their passion is. God says, I want you to be passionate about my ways and the way I think and what I want to do in your life. And how much I love you as your heavenly father. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You got a new frequency now as a Christian. Tune in. Get clarity of thought. See, folks, when we get off track, when we change the tuner and it starts going up, the static starts getting louder and louder, and we can't hear clearly. And when you can't hear clearly... It hinders your understanding. And when our understanding is hindered, we make mistakes. Or we misunderstand what is being said. Set your affection, set your mind, set your thoughts. What are we supposed to be thinking about? The Lord and his ways. This is something that brings peace and contentment to life. We've quoted Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 many, many times, but you can turn there and just listen to this. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. You know what? I believe that is a promise in the Word of God. You know what the problem is, folks? How often we fall short of that. How often we fall short of the peace how often we get bogged down with the stuff of life where we're not thinking clearly, okay? We become little godders. Remember Sunday's message? We become little godders instead of big godders. Our God becomes small because our thinking is so off and we worry about everything and all of our problems now are huge because we have a little God. God says, no, no, dial that back. Get it where it's supposed to be, nice and clear. Oh, I see it now. God, you're big, therefore my problems are small. But you see, we have to be reminded over and over and over and over of this. Colossians 3, verse 3, For ye are dead, you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Look at that, verse 3. Ye are dead, verse 4. Christ is our life. You are dead, but Christ is your life. That is the way I'm supposed to think. Not, oh, I'm alive. My flesh is alive. Hey, I've got fire insurance. I can never be lost. Therefore, I'll go out and live a careless life. It really doesn't matter because God loves me no matter what. Well, he does. But it isn't no matter what as far as the way we live our lives. He doesn't necessarily love the way we live our lives. He wants us to realize, yes, we're dead, but he also wants us to realize that Christ is to be my life. Which leads us to our fourth subpoint here, D. I must remember that I only have so long to live. Now, folks, this is an everyday challenge for us. May we give ourselves to thinking and then doing the will of God. 
There are many things, even good things, that can get us sidetracked. But they're not the main thing. And Satan loves to get us sidetracked, even on good things. But they're not the main thing. We cannot do everything in life. There are many things. I get requests for things on a regular basis. There's many things that we could give our lives to that are good things. But there's no thing like the main thing, which is sharing the gospel. And see, in our church, we are blessed with a clear understanding of what the gospel is and what it isn't. And we understand man's need and how to meet that need. Therefore, what should we be doing? Let me say it tonight. Let me be bold with this. Out of all the people in St. Cloud that ought to be fervent with the gospel, it's those of us of this church. We have an understanding of clarity and how to present the gospel like very few people do. That's not a brag thing. That's not pride. It's just the truth of it. And you know that if you visit other churches. Very few churches are clear on the gospel. Even where people are saved, they just don't explain it right. So then if we have this precious jewel, and it is a precious jewel to the Lord, it's the good news that he died for our sins and rose from the grave as the payment, then what we ought to do is we ought to give ourselves to it because after all, remember, that's what Jesus gave himself to. Our thoughts should be his thoughts. We should think like he does. I only have so much time to live. May we give ourselves to thinking and then doing the will of God. There are many things that can get us sidetracked, that can waste our time, and make us ineffective. Can I tell you that? Christians can give their lives to things that will make them ineffective. They spend all their time doing this thing or that, and it's like, why are you doing that? What matters most to God is what we should give our lives to. We cannot do everything. Many people, even believers, do not see what I'm talking about tonight as the purpose of God, as the priority of God, why Jesus came, why we need to recalibrate, why we need to get tuned in a little bit more clearly to the way things are. We should give our very lives to this cause, for there is no cause greater than why Jesus entered this world. It was the cross of Christ, his death payment for our sin, his resurrection, proves that it's the truth, that it is the issue that it is the way of salvation, and what could be greater for us to spend our time on than this? So what about family? It's all to that end, okay? It's all to that end. I want to challenge those of you with with younger children. I want to challenge you to raise your children. Now listen carefully what I'm saying. Raise your children to consider. That's an important word because you cannot make them do this. Raise your children to consider vocational Christian ministry for their life. I want to challenge you with that. You might say, it'll never happen. Or I tried to do that, it didn't work. You tried to do it and it didn't work, they chose a different way or a different theory. I say, well, pastor, are you saying they can't serve the Lord there? I didn't say that. See, that's not what I said. I'm just saying, would you please consider raising your children up with this purpose that Jesus gave us, which was the main thing, to do this. Have them consider vocational Christian ministry. 
There are so few children today being raised up who are sound in the faith, who are going into the ministry. So few of them. I'm not shaming anybody, parents. Believe me, I'm not. If your children don't believe that's what God wants them to do, I respect that. I really do. I'm not God in their life. I'm just saying this. Would you consider getting them to consider? Encourage them. If God doesn't want a young, as an example, a pastor, if God doesn't want to be a young man to be a pastor, then okay, you shouldn't be a pastor. But you know what? There are young men who should be pastors and their parents drop the ball in encouraging them to that end. Because there is a mindset, and I'm not saying it's in our church, but there is a mindset out there, and I know it too well, talking to other pastors, where parents will discourage their kids from going into full-time Christian work because they say it's filled with problems or you're not going to make enough money and all these other things. Can I tell you that's anti the will of God? It's against the will of God. Where are they going to come from if they don't come from us? Where are they going to come from? Well, pastor, I mean, you weren't raised in a Christian home and all, and look at you. You went into full-time Christian work. Yes, it was the grace of God. That's all it was, was the grace of God. He saved me. He called me the same night. It's the grace of God. I just saw it. That's what I wanted to do. It gripped my heart. And that's what I'm doing with my life. But that's how it was with me. It isn't always that way with everybody. Think of the advantage, okay? We're raising our children. We're training up our children. Think of the advantage we have. Those of us who know the truth, who see the issues clearly. Why? Because our tuner is locked in. We're getting our plan. We're getting our plan of execution from the scriptures. I want my kids to be Christ-like. Now, We have three pastor's daughters. We did not say to any of them, you have to be pastor's wives and you need to marry pastors or we won't let you marry them. (laughs) You know, that's probably the worst thing we could say to them is you have to be this and you have to marry these kind of people. By the way, you talk about narrow the field. Whoa, boy, does that narrow the field. You have to marry a pastor? We can't find pastors to begin with. You know, the beauty of Scripture, I'm getting more and more emails from people. There's this one young man in Texas who I think is going to end up being a pastor down there. He's contacted me, and we helped. He he got saved at an early age, got sucked into Lordship Salvation for decades. was all messed up. And through our ministry and through uh, several other ministries, such as Yankee and, and some others, he's come out of it, and he's just so excited. And he says, I don't know. He says, this is in... Um, Tyler, here's close to Tyler, Texas, which is east of Dallas. He says, we cannot find one church in our town that's got the gospel. They say they have it. Their statement of faith says it. And then you go there and they either front load or back load the gospel. Repent of sin, do this, do that, all these different things they add to it. He says, we just can't find one. Maybe God is, I said, I'll do anything I can to help you start a church. I said, Maybe take some courses through correspondence at Dayspring. Why don't you go that route? You can do that. I said, we've got hundreds of messages online that you can listen to covering books of the Bible and surveys and, uh, you know, prophecy series and all these things. You can get grounded. You can learn this. Go do it. See, here's the truth of it. Nobody in the Bible went to Bible college or seminary. They got saved. They got under the ministry of the word in the local church. 
And they went out and started works. Well, what about a degree? You don't need a degree. As a matter of fact, you can get a degree nowadays by paying 10 bucks. I'm serious. You can get a degree. They've got places that'll give you one. You, you send them the money, they send you a printed thing. It's got your name there. See what I'm saying? I must remember that I only have so long to live. My days matter, okay? If you have boys, young men, train them up, okay? Say, you know, you ought to consider. Maybe God wants you to be a pastor, okay? Well, I don't think he does. Well, let me ask you this. I'm not going to argue with you. Just let me ask you this. What's your thinking? Why don't you think he, that's what he wants you to do? And then hear what they say. You know, it may just be a simple answer to a simple question that's a roadblock for them that removes that roadblock, and they think, I really do think God wants me to be a pastor. Time is life. However I spend my time is how I'm spending my life. How do we get our thoughts to follow the right direction? I am to let the Word of God renew my mind. There it is. I am to let the Word of God renew my mind. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we, our minds get renewed, we start understanding and we prove out, okay? We, we show that God's will is what is good and acceptable and perfect. 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, let's close in Romans chapter 3. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. You're not saved until you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Religion will not save you. Doing good works will not save you. Being a Baptist will not save you. Being any denomination will not save you. I got news for you. There are no denominations in heaven. There's only children of God. And they all got there the same way. It was through faith in Jesus Christ they were born again. Romans 3, in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The payment Jesus made brings eternal life to us, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a satisfactory payment, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him. Here's the key, here's how you're saved, which believe in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He gives you eternal life. Just some thoughts on thoughts tonight. But we need to get our thinking right We need to get our thinking right, and the devil will do everything he can to get you off track or to waste your life on stuff that doesn't matter. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening, and would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.